Welcome to another episode of the podcast that talks all things football, all things Saints. This week, we're going to be reviewing the Arsenal and Watford games, as well as looking forward to the game at St Mary's this Sunday, where Southampton welcome at Manchester City. We'll also be discussing why there's such a difference between Southampton playing at St Mary's and their form away from home, as well as the return of the AD, Audio Description Commentary Service, provided by Alan March Sport. And we'll also be asking the question, is Danny Ings currently the best striker in the Premier League? Without further ado, my name is Tom Murray. My name is Callum Wilson. And this is Under the Lights. We're heading off to Kingsland Corner. So it's been a couple of matches since our last podcast and Saints have managed to pick up three points. They lost 2-0 to Arsenal and then won away at Watford with a good 3-1 victory that happened yesterday, a very good performance. But as we were discussing in the uh, the previous episode, Callum, we thought that the quality of the performance would maybe be flipped. We thought we'd do have a good one against Arsenal and then struggle against Watford, but uh, it was completely the other way. Yeah, um, I think that's what most fans... Thought, certainly from what I heard but that's what we learn about football we don't, we don't know what's going to happen I thought against Arsenal on paper it should have been a, a, a pretty simple game especially uh, considering their form of late both the sides but Saints once again and St Mary's were really lacklustre in what was really quite a drab affair the main difference between the two teams came down to, uh, to one error in judgment from uh, from Alex McCarthy gifting Eddie Nketiah that, uh, that goal and then obviously Arsenal added late on with the second but uh, that, that game in particular left a lot to be desired following on from that really impressive first game back against Norwich but then the Watford game and the other way around I thought Watford would, would be fighting tooth and nail that we're at home we'd really struggle even though we've been good away from home I thought at Vicarage Road, their form's been good, and uh, even though they haven't got the fans there, I thought, I thought we'd, we'd be in for a real fight. But actually, they were um, they were quite toothless, in, in my opinion. It was a really good away performance to add to uh, a number that we've had this season. Yeah, I was expecting a really physical battle at Vicarage Road, and in all fairness, it was physical. The first half was incredibly scrappy. Uh, no, neither side really got control of the ball, and it just took a one moment of quality to settle it. But Let's talk about the Arsenal game first, because that one that came after that really good performance against Norwich. Obviously, our hopes were high. We thought the Saints were going to finally turn up at home, but it seems to me that uh, yes, Arsenal are still technically one of the bigger sides, even though they're having a disappointing season. But fans or no fans, they're seemingly to still have that problem at St Mary's. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll talk about. The, the home form versus away form as we go on but I just thought it was a real opportunity missed and, and it wasn't really even a case having watched the game that Arsenal turned up or in any greater form than us I just think it was a really drab game all round I think defensively we looked shaky again we know that is the main problem but uh, going forward was was a, a real issue for, for Saints because We've been so attacking and so uh, ruthless going forward this season and when we were against Norwich and, and really there were very few times where I remember us even looking like scoring with Martinez being um, rarely worked. So I, 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 was, I was surprised and there have been a few games like that since the Premier League has returned. Uh, a few 
kind of drab games uh, where there haven't been any goals like you were saying before in the first half especially but yeah to not score against Arsenal is pretty disappointing and and I also feel a big difference between the two games when we go on to the Watford one is, is the selection choice I was a lot happier with the team that Ralph chose to go with against Watford than I was with the uh, the Arsenal choice. Uh, Valerie and Obafemi, I think, have been disappointing, especially Valerie. I don't think he's up to it, but we've we've talked about that previously. And at half time, he made those two changes with the sides already behind, and uh, he made those two changes. Um, he brought Long on for Obafemi, he brought Walker Peters on for Jan Valerie, but we just didn't quite manage to uh, to get into that game and obviously the loss of uh, Stevens towards the end and then from the following free kick the only uh, only added to that really i think it was definitely uh, in the second half the saints really struggled to try and break arsenal down and it says a lot of the arsenal team that they're 1-0 up at, at southampton yet they've got all 11 players behind the ball I don't think that their fans would have been too happy with seeing them park the bus away to a team that have been so poor at home. But no, I agree. Individual errors cost Saints. I think, obviously, we've talked about Jan Valerie. I thought he was really quite poor. And Michael Oberfemi has been relatively anonymous since the Premier League restart. And that was certainly changed a little, a little bit in the second half with the introduction of Shane Long. Saints started to have that outlet up top where they could try and play long ball. I think this point affects both teams, but let's not forget that on that day, it was the uh, the hottest day of the year, over 30 degrees. And Saints, like you said, but the lineup were unchanged from Norwich. There was no fresh legs. Now, I know they haven't played football in a long time, but obviously that first game was going to take something out of them. Yes, there was a long time between the two matches. So maybe that had some, some impact on it. But as you said, when Saints made the changes to the lineup against Watford, some of them were I was a little bit dubious about I'm not quite sure how they were going to go. With Stevens getting sent off, Yannick Vestergaard came in and Vestergaard hasn't had the best of seasons. There were rumours during lockdown that he was going to, like he was going to be sold by Saints. And I still wouldn't be surprised if he was in the summer as centre-back is a position that we're always looking at improving. But I actually thought he did really well against Watford, as did Oriol Romeu coming in for Stuart Armstrong, playing a different... And apparently Romeu played 90, um, 80 minutes of the Watford game with a broken nose, so shows that he's up for the fight. I thought he might have at one point, because I saw he got an accidental elbow from Saar, and then at one stage I saw him and I thought, he looks like he's, um, his nose was twisted inside out. But yeah, yeah, you talk about Mr. Garden, I think maybe you know, doing a bit of a disservice to Arsenal. I know they got the luck of the draw by... Um, getting that goal gifted but you, you might just be right in saying that um, at Samaris Arteta just had a better game plan uh, once they got the goal he realised that they were they, they can't defend they've got their poor defensively so they needed to get that shield in front of their defence got them working behind the ball and made it a more compact game whereas uh, in the heat Saints maybe couldn't quite get their pressing game going but again, at St Mary's, um, West Lampton's form is really atrocious. That's been for a couple of seasons. There's a lot to think about there. But in the second game, I, th- I agree. I think uh, Vestergaard did what he had to do well. He's, um, we're used to Vestergaard coming in and, and we're talking about him because he's made an error. But he didn't make any errors. Um, even their own goal from Bednarak wasn't an error. He had to try and deal with it. And those things happen. I was pleased to see Romeo come in. Um, instead of Hoybjerg, I thought it was unfortunate really for him because I do think he's a really good player and a couple of seasons ago he was probably our best player. He's been 
on the bench, like been a bit part player. He has been on the bench every single league game for for a while, and it's good to see him get the chance. And I thought he delivered. I think he, he works hard, which is what Hasnas needs from his um, central midfield pairing. And uh, with Hoiberg's future up in the air, and obviously had a, a slight injury, I think it was a, a good audition for the former Barcelona and Chelsea man. And I think also I mentioned for uh, Will Smallbone came in played that kind of inside right midfield role that Armstrong has, has really made his own and set up Danny Ings for the first goal by coming into that real central position and it, it worked quite well for him playing out of position but he had that kind of freedom in possession to come inside and uh, and and I think he's um, he's improving a lot to see him get some more game time in his preferred position but he did a really good job in a, in a could have been a tough tough game with different conditions rainy conditions but I think really that the obvious mention and it probably goes for a lot of games that Samson have won this season is that the difference between the likes of Samson and Watford there are uh, you know, don't get me wrong it's not this simple but having a goal scorer in Danny Ings and a player up front that's that good Watford fans will know from from when Trafordini's been in that kind of form but I think Danny Ings really is the difference between um, between Saints and a number of those sides down at bottom um, and he once again was in fantastic form so reliable didn't look like giving the ball away lovely finish in that bottom right corner that he, that he loves and has shown a lot this season and a different kind of goal the second one but um, that sandwich in a fantastic James Ward-Prowse free kick to which he's becoming more and more known for I think it was a, a perfect away performance really Watford only that kind of 10 minutes spell after half time where they had a few shots from, from corners where they were ricocheting in the box and a lot of bodies and we managed to to get some clearances in. Other than that, I don't think they really threatened and uh, I was quite disappointed by Watford. I thought they'd uh, have a little bit more about them than that. I had a look on some of their forums before and after the game and they weren't. their fans were not confident for um, the match against Saints. They thought it was going to be a hammering and then sort of their points were proved and I had a read after after the game and they were saying how the players just don't look like they care. It's been atrocious form recently. I think they've only got six points out of their last available 30. But obviously we're, we're focused on Saints uh, for this one and as you said Danny Ings you know the boy is different gravy at the moment his finishing is absolutely superb and the, the fir- his first goal was it's a, it's a finish that we've seen many times from him this season although we don't re- we rarely see him score from outside the penalty area but it was he had about seven Watford players around him when he struck the ball and he doesn't often go for the laces. He really likes just side-footing it in the corner. I think that catches a lot of keepers out because it sometimes looks like he hasn't put any power on it and it looks easy to get, but he's put it so well into the corner that it's in, by the time the goalkeeper thought, oh, this is this is going in, it's actually rolled past and gone into the net. It was a fantastic finish. And his second, second goal highlighted just how... I think also the team, how switched on they are under Ralph to press on the mistakes and get forward as quickly as possible. Ben, I mean, it helps when Ben Foster's throwing it straight to you on about 30 yards out. But you could tell as soon as Ings got the ball, he wasn't passing it to anyone. He was just going to drive into the box and have a go. Yes, the deflection off Dawson took it away from Foster, but it's still a really good goal from Danny Ings. And then, as you said, the free kick from Ward-Prowse sealed the game. And I think... 
that is such a that was arguably one of the biggest moments of the game for me rather than Saints taking the lead or doubling the lead but because at that point Watford had very fortuitously got themselves back into the match thanks to the own goal and then Saints immediately by one and a half minutes later just increased it to a two goal cushion once more um seemingly what what could have been a really interesting last 10 minutes as in, from a neutral's perspective was suddenly the game was just killed immediately and that would have really mentally affected Watford and it showed because they'd gone from oh we've got a chance here to immediate deflation and it's a fantastic free kick Ben Foster hasn't moved I did think Foster was actually quite too far to one side of the goal it almost seemed obvious that Ward Prowse was just going to bend it to the other corner it was just a case of would he be able to get it up and over in time because it wasn't actually that far out brilliant free kick and then what would have been the cherry on top of the icing, on top of the cake, would have been if that Shea Adams shot had made it into the far post. And I think if you listen to the highlights, you can hear uh, Ralph going, go on, Che, go on, and actually shouting, yeah, and before just yeah. the, the O of disappointment as it's gone wide. It was actually a really good chance for Shea Adams because it didn't look like it was going to happen for him. And then he showed that pace and that strength to get past the... Uh, a tiring Watford defender. Um, I mean, every Saints fan was just urging that to go the right side of the post. And then, of course, Nathan Redmond hit the post himself uh, with one of the final kicks of the game with a really good shot. It really could have been four or five. You're right, I think that goal will come for Che Adams. And I, I, I heard everyone having a ref shouting there. It just shows how, how eager they are to see the, the forward signing from the summer get that goal. And he will get his performance as warranted. Um, it'd be interesting to see now that we've reached the 40 point mark if he will um, take part in a few more games from the start I certainly uh, would like to see that potentially not the next game which of course is Manchester City on Sunday because I think he'll be chasing shadows a little bit there um, looking ahead to that one briefly then and Tom I mean we're probably like, it's going to be a week between games so in terms of the um, team selection might not be that much of an issue in terms of, of match, in terms of fitness and, and too many games. But where do you see Saints' best opportunity against the Man City side that have looked absolutely brilliant since they've come back from uh, from that lockdown break? Yeah, for Manchester City, it's been almost every game has been almost like a training exercise, especially the one against uh, Newcastle yesterday, where I think they had. 85% possession or something like that. So it's difficult because we know that Saints concede goals. So are are they, is it going to be a case of putting everyone behind the ball and just try and hold out for a point? I actually don't think so because, as you said, we've reached 40 points. So there's no reason as to Southampton, we're not mathematically safe, but, you know, once you hit the 40 point mark, you're pretty much there. And I, I think this is a game where you, maybe Ralph can try something different, maybe try and take the game to City because we're not yeah, in a position where we need to put every man behind the ball to try and squeeze a point to help towards survival. We've done that. We've reached that now. So maybe Ralph can try something different, maybe try a different approach. I don't think Shea Adams should be starting this one because if he's getting his confidence much higher, they're a team that's going to really knock your confidence in terms of not actually having much of an impact or any involvement at all would be against Manchester City. We're going to envisage that Man City are going to have the majority of the ball. I think maybe if Ralph tries to, te- try to treat this one as an away match, because I think the start, his style of play suits teams that well, suits um, when Southampton don't have the ball. So I think this could be one to just to try out the press. Obviously, we've got Musa Genepo back as well. Um, so it might be something to maybe throw him in, use his pace as some sort of outlet, because the only way Saints are going to have a chance against Manchester City is to catch them on the break. 
when City gets so many players forward in and around the penalty area, they're going to need the pace up front. And maybe it's a case of um, playing one up top in Shane Long and maybe have Gineppo play right straight off and maybe, you know, you want to rest Danny Ings, bring him on in bring him on at half time. I mean that that that's probably a lot of Saints fans are probably thinking what you're thinking. That's um Danny Ings has scored twenty one goals this season if you want any chance to keep him on the pitch. It, it's a difficult one because the way that Ralph approached the Man City game at home last season that you and I did, he almost sort of gave up from the team sheet that we saw. It was Elianusi and Charlie Austin up front and we were just thinking it's just damage limitation here. I think I completely agree. I think Southampton play the best football uh, even within the game, they play their best football once the game's won and and they can start enjoying themselves, i.e. Norwich away, where we kept getting those chances and, and Watford, we, like you said, Trey Adams, they scored, we hit the post, um, started playing free-flowing football and I think now that we've reached the 40-point mark and we're almost uh, getting a free hit against the Manchester City side that no one expects us to beat, especially at St Mary's, um, I think why not just tell the boys to have a real go and um, and hit City where they're weakest, which is in defence, because uh, they're certainly going to be able to break our defence down and score some goals against us. But rather than trying to, to put everyone behind the ball and making it a snooze fest, why not, why not go after them, especially early on? We've seen so many times at St Mary's where Saints get off to a really good start. Um, if we can get an early goal and then look to try and hit them on a counter-attack with, uh, with that press and set those traps that a Rav likes to do. I think that's um, the best chance that we that we have against City, to be honest. And and interestingly as well, because of the FA Cup, uh, not many games at the weekend, City have Liverpool at the Etihad, quarter past eight on Thursday. So Saints get that full week, as I mentioned, but City only get a few days, so I'd expect some rotation. And I personally would expect them to put out the stronger side against Liverpool, because although the league is lost... This is an immediate opportunity for Man City to lay down a marker ahead of next season. I thought I'd expect some changes. Um, I expect Pep being Pep, they'd ring the changes ahead of Sunday's game. And uh, with the league already lost, they'd have an eye on uh, on some other games. So I'd go for it. The likes of Gineppo, the exciting players I'd, I'd put on the pitch. Shane Long and Danny Ings, not given that that back four moments piece. Uh, and, yeah, there could be something in this for Sampton who are playing a team, although they've been brilliant, they do have nothing to play for. I suppose the worry is that when Saints have nothing to play for, they play some of their best attacking football. That seems to have been the case for Man City since they returned for Project Restart when really they've had no chance of, of finishing anywhere other than second in the league. But yeah, we, we'll... We'll be doing um, that game on Sunday. I suppose it's probably now it's as good a time as, as any to briefly mention that. So uh, obviously myself and Tom, a lot of you know, do the audio description at St Mary's for the home games on behalf of Alamance Sport and, and Southampton Football Club. Uh, obviously, there are no fans in the stadium. Uh, we're not in the stadium, but the Alamance Sport have come up with, uh, with a way that we can still interact with the fans and provide that service. Yeah, they have. And this is also a service that will be provided for Southampton's away matches as well. Uh, myself and Nick Wilson were on the mic for uh, Southampton against Watford yesterday, and that went really well. And it, it, it's really good uh, to be back commentating it was uh, it's strange to commentate to a television. Um, you don't have, especially when there's even no fans in the stadium that's being televised, because 
I'm, I'm sure you feel the same kind, but we thrive on the actual atmosphere in the stadium as well. The fans growing in excitement as uh, the team built brings the ball closer to the penalty area. The oohs and ahs of a shot that whistles straight past the post. It's, it, it makes it difficult when those are all taken away, but take nothing away from that. It's really good to um, be back to it. And of course, if you or anyone you know could use the service, is, is blind or visually impaired, and would like to have audio description commentary of the Southampton match, describing every kick, every direction that the ball's going in whilst it's in play, then do follow at Saints underscore AD on Twitter, and they have all the information you need to follow. Get yourself booked onto the Alamite Sport Match Companion. Callum, you must be really looking forward to uh, getting back behind the mic as well. It's been a long time. home form has seemingly continued and you'd expect it also another loss to be uh, added to the collection when Manchester City come to town although we'll really hope that that is not the case obviously now that the fans are not there obviously people were discussing of whether there was too much pressure put on the players by fans in the years before Southampton were challenging for top eight uh, getting European football 
and then it sort of dissipated in the past couple of seasons where it's turned into relegation battles. Maybe fans thought that, you know, the team should be performing a lot better. Obviously, they uh, their home form, uh, you'd expect it to be a lot better. There's been so many games over the past couple of years where you think this is a game that Southampton can kickstart their season, uh, grab a good win at home and uh, push on and then Southampton have let in an early goal and then they're left chasing shadows for the rest of the game just trying to work their way back into it I think that I personally think really quite simple and I think it's down to the style of play I think that Southampton the style of play as we've said before Southampton play better when they don't have the ball that's what it's completely based on and at home you're expected to dominate possession to attack teams and I think that teams have worked that out that Saints are not as comfortable as they could be when they're in possession they sometimes run out of ideas especially when they're trying to build from the back and the other team are sat with 10 11 men behind the ball they know that Southampton are going to struggle to uh, break that down whereas when Saints go away from home and it's worked superbly this season the other teams like it, it sort of flips where the other team is expected you're meant to dominate at home. You're meant to go at this team. Uh, play at, teams are going to think, oh, this is Southampton at home. This is a game that we've really got to take to them. We've got to show we've got to attack. We know we can break them down. And then Saints have said, yeah, that's fine. You you, you come at us and we'll just catch you on the counter-attack, of which Southampton have done many, many times this season. Do you think it's as simple as that? Or do you think there's other factors at play? I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you and, and I certainly agree with the, the counter-press being more effective away from home but just the, just the idea of that being a re, being the sole reason for such a difference in form isn't that just isn't that just completely ridiculous that a side could be could find it that difficult at home to pick up points but what I'm saying is why why is a team that's having to play at home why is it that the the way in which they play can be determined so much by whether they're playing at their home grounds or they're playing at away grounds. I mean, at the end of the day, you're playing with the same amount of players. There's a goal at each end of the pitch. All the markings are the same. There's a referee. What, what's to stop teams from playing the conventional away tactic when they're at home against Saints? You know, why, why couldn't Watford at the weekend do what they would do potentially at St Mary's and sit everyone behind the ball? because it's going to get them a result. I don't understand, especially with a lack of home fans, to put that pressure on you at home, which we thought might be a factor. That's for Mary's. I mean, Watford could quite easily have done that with no fans in the stadium, whereas if there were 20,000, 30,000 Watford fans, for instance, at Vicarage Road, and they were playing that way at home, then the fans would probably get on the back of them. But... Right now, you're almost playing at neutral venues in terms of in terms of fans, anyway. So I, I just don't understand. You know, it, it's been quite obvious for a couple of years that Saints have been poor at home. So there must be a way in which they can figure it out away from home. Yeah, maybe maybe they've got more space to run into and counter attack and, and press. But yeah, why, why not try and play in a way that draws the opposition out? and gives them more of the possession. For instance, against Man City, we won't have the possession, so maybe we'll see a slightly better performance at St Mary's. But, you know, it's, it's, it shouldn't be that difficult. And we're not just talking about, you know, a couple more wins away from home than, than at St Mary's. In terms of the table, if you split that into home and away, our away form sees Saints played 16, won 8, and that's, that is only bettered by 
Liverpool, Manchester City in terms of wins away from home. At home, half that amount of wins. Four game, four wins out of sixteen, and that is rock bottom in the home form table. It's a huge difference, and surely the way in which your team plays can't be so one-dimensional that you cannot buy a win at home. Two of those wins were in three days. I remember when Saints played Norwich and, and Watford and sort of in the, in the winter really needed those wins. Maybe maybe if it is a tactical thing that, that Ralph needs some sort of plan B in a way in which we can break down compact defences. But I think there's got to be more to it. Um, I think that's probably a big factor. But there must be something even in the kind of build-up and... The, the mental psyche going into a game, you know, you have your routines. Maybe the routine for an away game is, is just it's just more suited to the players. Maybe going up on a on a coach or on a plane or staying staying in a hotel with your teammates and and your friends rather than staying at home with your family. Potentially, I don't know, being up with the kids or or having a bit more of a normal normal evening, and then the next day. That's when match day begins. You know, you maybe you don't have that kind of um, you say home comforts, but maybe maybe the focus needs to be on on the game, and, and you can try and put yourself in the position day to day for for a uh, for a footballer. And an away day is much more of a it's a longer day. It's it's more focused on the football. You know, you'll be potentially getting a coach up that morning or prior, as I said, staying over, whereas during a home game, I'd imagine that they wouldn't need to be up too early. They'd sort of have the breakfast and then you'd be able to get your drive down to, to the stadium from not too far away, get there for about one o'clock, a couple of hours before three o'clock kickoff. It's just, it's, maybe it's just a routine thing and, and, and the young team that we've got is more suited to staying in a hotel or heading up on the coach Maybe they've got more time to be talking about things before a game. You know, you could. We're not professional footballers, so it's difficult to, to put yourself in that position. But maybe if you're on a coach or you're sat in a hotel room or, or having dinner the night before and you're winger talking to your centre forward and you happen to be talking about the game tomorrow and who you're playing against and what you might how you might link up. Whereas maybe you don't have that opportunity, um, or maybe you just don't have that spare time when you're at home to discuss those sorts of things. But yeah, it might be the mentality that we're going to come to your place and we're going to steal three points off you and we're going to take that. Maybe it gets them all fired up. Maybe there's more of a pressure at home that they're expected to win. And actually there's another team that's coming to some areas to try and take that away from them. And I think for a while, Saints have had that in the back of their mind because their form has been so bad for so long at home that that's in the back of their mind before they even start. They're starting to associate the stadium and St Mary's and you know, those red seats and that home crowd and that changing room and everything about it. They're starting to associate with poor results and poor performances. And it's hard to get in a team sport to get 11 players plus subs to suddenly switch it on in one game. And, and you know, it could be any number of things. But, but right now, it's relegation football at home and, uh, and European form away from home and if Ralph can manage to figure something out at home whilst maintaining that that way of playing away and in the away games I think Saints have got a real opportunity yeah I like to have certainly far more confidence for the Saints are playing away and, and for a good reason I think it's also the fact that the home form has been so bad for 
such a long time. I think it's now maybe three or four years that it's just it hasn't been great. Even under Claude Puel, where we couldn't, we we really struggled to score. It's been sort of been going downhill from there. I think I saw a stat: it's thirteen wins in the last seventy home games, which is absolutely diabolical. I mean, you can't keep on that for, that home form and expect to stay in the league. And an interesting fact that I managed to find out was um, the, the on the four occasions in all competitions this season that Saints have scored more than two goals, all four have come away from home. The 4-0 against Portsmouth, the 3-1 at Aston Villa, the 3-0 against Norwich and the 3-1 against Watford, it just highlights just how much Saints enjoy playing away from home. And I think playing the crowd, the point you made, I think Ralph Arsenal has certainly made Southampton that title of being the annoying, the dirty team to play. And I think those kind of antics and the style of play, Southampton really like playing the opposition crowd. And we certainly saw it at, at, Selhurst, at Selhurst Park when Southampton got that 2-0 win against Crystal Palace. Now, there was that ongoing feud between Zaha and Ward-Prowse. The home crowd were getting really riled up by it. And I think Ward-Prowse has turned into a player that really enjoys that, really enjoys like getting all of the abuse hurled at him. And like I think the team... Just it makes them smile. It knows that they can be really annoying to play against. And I think that gives them an extra lift. Where, as you say, at home, the fans are expecting a win. They're ex- uh, it's, I think it's still, it could be just be the, the number of reasons. But I certainly think that Saints really like playing the occasion, like playing away from home. The wins against Leicester, a lot of that was riding on it. Southampton really enjoyed it. And I, I suppose, don't know if you've seen the... Um, the picture of Jack Stevens going to the Leicester fans mocking the Jose Perez celebration with his fingers in his, um, that shows that Saints have got players that really enjoy winding up the opposition fans. I mean, it's all it's all part of football. Players do it against us. Um, we do it against them. I think one player that's now left no longer at Saints, but who really enjoyed that side of the game was Charlie Austin, a striker that really enjoyed sticking it to the away fans or the opposition fans. And as players, like if we're on the receiving end of it, we really hate it. We don't like it. We don't. We we find it. Um, it really riles us up. But that shows that it works. You know, the players, the players love. We, certain players really like playing on those kind of antics. So I don't know if it's that particular reason that Saints there's such a disparity in home and away form. But it's just another one to throw out there. Yeah, I think it probably complements the other way in which. They play the energy they play with away from home, and um, and and the youth that we have, and, and not only in our athleticism, but yeah, if you think about it, it all kind of ties in together. You know, we've got a young squad who are obviously good friends and, and, and friendly in their friend groups, and then they're probably egging each other on. They probably have the mentality of going going there and and taking what's theirs and taking three points when they're the underdogs maybe we've got that underdog mentality and then they'll go up there wind up the fans take the three points you know going up there on the coach or the night before it's almost like a like you know the, the group of bandits who are going to go to the away game and take what all those fans and those players are expecting to have um, whereas at home they don't have that kind of mentality and don't get me wrong the atmosphere at St Mary's at times could be absolutely rocking and the players feel that and you see that especially in the in the last couple of earlier this season and last when when Saints were in trouble at the wrong end of the, of the table sometimes yeah everyone pulled together and the fans really helped get those points but yeah away from, away from home just seems to be a, a different um, a different animal for Saints and we'll see how long that lasts for interestingly home and away all season Saints out of the 32 games they've played I've only got four draws, two at home and two away. 
So um, that, that, that's not a difference between the home and the away form, but maybe shows that it's kind of uh, almost a shit or bust mentality. Uh, maybe it's an open way of playing. We're either going to win or we're going to lose. And sides generally are better at home. So maybe if we're playing with that mentality and we're open and we're going at them and they're coming at us, then yeah, we pick them off. But at home, when we've got that kind of mentality, maybe we're leaving ourselves open and maybe that kind of pressure is getting to those, um, getting to those defenders because they, yeah, they must read what people say and uh, a lot of them are always saying about how our defence is uh, error-prone and, and can't be relied on. So maybe they're just hoping not to make a mistake in front of the fans. Mm. Whereas uh, away from home, maybe they're away from that and they can um, they can play with a little bit more freedom. One player that has been scoring goals, whether we're away from home or, uh, or playing at St Mary's, is Danny Ings. He is now on 18 Premier League goals for the season from 32 games the Saints have played. He is just one point behind current top goal scorer. Um, an out of form Jamie Vardy and if you take away penalties from the list then Danny Ings is the top goal scorer in the Premier League we mentioned he's, he's now uh, one behind Vardy and Vardy and Leicester have been well out of form for quite some time now almost clinging on to that third position Champions League spot at the moment and now under a little bit of pressure Aubameyang he's now gone past Aubameyang on, on 17 goals who obviously hasn't been Hasn't had his head in the game, um, and then Aguero's injured, so you've really got sort of Salah, and then the, the others are behind them. So we mentioned in the last podcast, this might be an opportunity for Danny Ings to get the golden boot. Well, it's even more of an opportunity after the three goals in the last three games, isn't it? Absolutely, and that also takes him to 21 goals in all competitions. The first player since Ricky Lambert to reach 20 goals in a season. That's a fantastic achievement. I think it's a massive opportunity for him to get the golden boot. He's only one goal behind Jamie Vardy. Leicester and Vardy are out of form. They're clinging on to both awards, as it were, Champions League football and the the golden boot. If we think about the the six remaining fixtures that Southampton have, Manchester City, you're not going to really expect too too many goals at Saints end. But of course, if you're expecting any Southampton player to score, it is going to be Danny Ings. Away to Manchester United, that could be a good one for Danny Ings to get a, to get a goal. I think the most interesting game where for Danny Ings to score would be Bournemouth away because it potentially could be a game that may almost put the final nail in the coffin for Bournemouth. Um, that will be an interesting game, no matter who plays in that one. But it would be very interesting if Danny Ings were to get a couple of goals down at Dean Court in, in that particular match, having obviously been at Bournemouth from a youth uh, uh, after Southampton rejected him at a youth level. Uh, there's no reason why he can't get golden boot. He was actually, before lockdown, a bit out of form. Yeah, he was still scoring, but he wasn't quite in the vein of form that he was uh, before and after Christmas. It was a couple of goals in, I think, six or seven matches, which for Danny Ings is poor. Um, but since he's come back, he's look even looked even fitter. He's not just scoring goals, but he's getting involved in any attacking play that Southampton have. Any goal that Saints have scored so far since the lockdown, Danny Ings has been involved in in some way or another. Whether we whether he's setting up the initial assist or putting it in the back of the net himself, if he continues and doesn't get injured, yeah, I would expect him to get the golden boot. Danny Ings, this is all for a relatively slow start. He only had one goal in his first six games. This season, that was uh, that was against Liverpool, first home game of the season when he chased down Adrian. Um, so actually, he's got 17 goals in his last 26 games. Um, and probably hasn't played all of those actually as well. So that's that's form 
a striker with with ambition who will really look to continue. He's you say we've got Man City next, but Danny Ings he really does he score more than one goal. Watford was a bit of a rarity in that game. He's only done it a couple of times a season. What he does tend to do is he gets a goal in most games where the Saints are winning a game 3-0 and he'll get one or Saints lose a game 3-1 but Danny Ings still gets one. He's only got two assists in the Premier League this season so I think that suggests a lot about the way in which Stanton is set up and the way that he plays. Although he has a striker partner up there, he's the main man in the box and he links play but from quite deep. So rather than uh, setting other players up, he's, he's the one to score. But I think... Absolutely, one one goal behind Jamie Vardy. I think right now he's got to be the favourite for the golden boot. Be interesting to see what Liverpool do now with the likes of Mo Salah having won the league, trying to get those players up to five appearances so that they can get a uh, get a winner's medal. Maybe he won't play every game. You'll be sure that Dan Dings will play as many games as he can. And what would be interesting is from now on, now that Samson have, have definitely got that safety. If uh, if we get any penalties, it'd be interesting if James Ward-Prowse continues to take them, or with the golden boot in mind, Danny Ings steps up because I, I don't think anyone would have any um, qualms, even even Hassan with allowing his twenty-goal striker to be the man who gets the chance to score one-on-one with a goalkeeper from 12 yards. I don't think there'd be too much of an issue with that. I think maybe the only argument might be towards the end of the season if Che Adams still hasn't got himself a goal and he's on the pitch. Does he get the chance to score one? Or does Ings get the chance to score 21 and potentially take the golden boot? But that would be interesting. And uh, and I think at the moment, Dan Ings looks like he could score a goal in every game, which is... Massive, and it's a huge reason for why Saints are um, are out of the relegation mire. It's something that is uh, being talked about a lot by Saints fans. We've actually got a uh, a listener's question from um, AJ West at AJ eight four five one zero eight nine zero. Thanks for this, AJ. He's asked us: Do we think there's a chance Danny Ings might leave Southampton anytime soon? Your reply to that on Twitter was uh, no. Pretty much. Do you think there's a chance with the way he's going that could potentially be the top goal scorer? Injury problems seemingly behind him, plus he's English. He's proven at this level there must be suitors sniffing around. Oh, yeah, that, that reply was very much uh, tongue in cheek. Um, as a Southampton fan, we don't want him to go. He'd be, uh, he'd be sorely missed, and we finally found like we've been crying out for that. Oh, when are we going to spend money on the 20 goalless season striker? Well, we finally got one. To finally have a striker who's netted 20 goals in one season on 21, and you said about the penalties, doesn't matter. James Will Prowse can take it. Danny Ings will be on 30 by that time. But whilst I said never, I mean, if you win the Golden Boot, and even if he doesn't, he's, when you're playing for a team like Southampton, if you're a big club and you need a goal scorer, even someone just to have in your ranks on the bench, someone who's proven that can, they can get goals then there's every chance he could leave. However, the point, I, the point I want to make is I think he's not as likely to as maybe Yamane's, um, Yapala, well, Palo, Palo went to China, but so that's a bad example. But, but the likes of Mane, Rodriguez when he was in form, Lambert as well, Tadic, it's not, I think he's less likely to leave. Obviously, there's the point of he's from the area, he's a Southampton fan, he's loving his football here. The main point I want to make about this is that he's been to a big club. 
He's been to Liverpool, who are arguably the best team in world football right now, and it didn't. He he hadn't. He didn't have the best experience. Yes, he got injured and he was playing before their injuries. And Jurgen Klopp really loves him, rates him, and was quite sad when Danny Ings said, "Look, I want to leave. I want to get minutes." So I think Ings will. That that may change his mind if an offer did come in. Is he, he's got to consider? Well, I'm in the form of my life. I'm at the team that I really like. Do I want to go to a big club to potentially sit on the bench and play maybe half the games that I would at Saints? He's, that experience maybe just will come into as a factor of his decision whether a big club were to come in in form. I think if the like one club I've seen their fans especially like we should go in for him is Spurs. Harry Kane, there's always been rumours of him leaving. They don't really have a second striker. I mean, you've got Son, but he's more of a winger. So that could be... If, if Spurs were to come in, hypothetically, I would say Ings would probably say no, because Spurs don't really look like challenging for any comp- major competitions at the moment. And, I mean, obviously, Saints are not in the same bracket as Spurs, but surely you'd want to just stay at the club that you love, rather than go to a team where the pressure is high and you're unlikely to challenge for any major honours anytime soon. I mean, the way I see it is um, Danny Ings is, is quite e- it's quite easy to, to pigeonhole him and say that he is um, he's, he's just a goal scorer and he gets you know, he's, he's 20 goals a season man now and, and all the rest of it. But actually, Danny Ings is at the prime of his career, probably, I would say, playing the best football he's ever played. I watched him against well, the last few games, but I watched him against Watford and he's so reliable in possession of the ball. Everything that he seems to want to do comes off, not just from shots, but yeah, he'll have the ball and he'll be running and down a cul-de-sac and with three players and every single time he'll manage to wriggle his way out and find a red and white shirt. It, when he scored that goal, managed to take it past two or three players. There was a point where... He, he turned in the centre circle and then didn't look like he was going to get there before the defender managed to nutmeg him, then take a pass to another one and and deliver a pass. And he continues to do it. It was reminding me of when um, I was watching Harry Kane playing for England in that World Cup where he was so reliable. He Worst case scenario, he would win a free kick and he would never give the ball away or he'd constantly be creating. Danny Ings technically on the ball and and he's constant. He knows where everyone is around him. He's able to cross-field passes or even off the ball. His work rate and his ability to chase down the ball and tackle and win position high up. He's yeah. We paid twenty million for him and he's. He's 28 in July, and he's, he's worth double that now easily. And I think big teams could be looking at him as a player who's been blighted by injuries. Yeah, he had the opportunity up at Liverpool, and I think he probably would have taken it had he not been so unlucky with those injuries. <clears throat> now it seems like they're behind him. He's been injury-free for a good couple of seasons. Saints have obviously treated him well. He's now playing every game, it seems, even during this period where we're playing a lot of games in a short space of time. And like I said, at 28, he's not young, but he's probably in that in that area where he's playing at his, at his physical peak. Um, and I, I don't think, yes, the whole Saints, like you right to say, you know, he's a Saints fan, so he's less likely to go. I just think that means it limits the it limits the temptation. So there are less clubs that he'd be bothered about going to. One thing is a payday, which he would have had at Liverpool, but, you know, depending on how important that is to him, 
payday might be a factor. Another thing is wherever he goes, he's not going to want to play second fiddle. So he won't go to Tottenham unless Harry Kane gets sold this summer. And I don't think anyone's going to stump up that money after the uh, after the coronavirus this summer. Even Man United who constantly linked. So I don't think they're going to buy him. So I don't think Harry Kane, I think Harry Kane's going to be there for another season at Tottenham. So he won't go to Tottenham. I don't think Man United will go for him. Although, actually, that could potentially be a shrewd move. But again, they've got a lot of attacking players and, and he want to know that he's going to start. I, I'd think no one's talking about it, but I could really see Leicester going for Jamie, um, going for Danny Ings to compliment Jamie Vardy. Give them another option up there. Similar in his work rate, Champions League football would be a draw. And, you know, I know Leicester won the league. Apart from that, they're not a huge club. But compared to the other big ones, but to play Champions League football and potentially be one of the main strikers for them. And you've also got to remember, Brendan Rodgers was the man who brought him to Liverpool. So he obviously rates him. He'll probably rate him even more now, or has probably reinforced his belief of what kind of player he can be at the Premier League level. Um, I could see Leicester stumping up £40 million and... That might be something, European football might be something that's difficult to turn down for both the Saints and Danny Ings. But from a Southampton point of view, we certainly hope that we can at least get another season out of him and, and ideally get as many seasons as he's got left in his body. Yeah, I think it would be it would be horrendous if he another if Brendan Rodgers was to take another player away from Southampton <laughs> after the uh, summer of 2014. Uh, especially someone as be- beloved as Danny Ings, you mentioned um, the price of forty million. Is that is is that your like the amount that you'd you'd rate Danny Ings at forty million pounds in this in in the current market? Oh, I don't know anymore because what is the current market? It'd be interesting. We we'll have to see what happens to the market when when this whole coronavirus thing um, has a, has its effect. But yeah, I don't think you'd sell him for any less. I think it'd be hard to get much more because he's. You're approaching 30, and you probably don't spend that much money on a player that has the injury record that he has, plus you know, how many years has he got left? Because he might not be injured now, but that would have you know, wear and tear on his body. He might not have the longest career. But at the moment, if you're if you're the top goal scorer in the Premier League, then you, you're going to warrant that kind of transfer fee. Um, just be interesting to see how much Saints would get for him, because they do seem to squeeze every, every penny out of these um, kinds of transactions. But like I said, I don't see, I mean, I could see Arsenal being interested in him, but yeah, was he going to want to go to Arsenal for a similar reason that he might not want to go to Spurs in terms of they're not the European force that they once were. Man City, he's not going to go there. Liverpool, he's not going to go there. Probably not Man United. So then that really does leave, it leaves Leicester and then it also leaves the wild card of Newcastle and what might happen there, I suppose. But um, there are a couple of options. You know, someone abroad might even come in for him. Yeah, you know, he might get an offer to go to a to a to a good La Liga or Serie A club or Bundesliga because to look over and see that this lad scoring twenty plus goals in the Premier League. So I'm sick and tired really of talking about how much our players might go for. It'd be nice if we can just keep hold of him and, and build around him. But at the same time, he, you know, ideally he'd love to be playing European football with Southampton but right now he probably realises that he's carrying the club in, in, in a fair capacity and um, and he probably looks at that back line and thinks well I'm not going anywhere whilst we're whilst we're playing whilst we're playing with these this level of players and if players around him continue to get sold and we're not reinforcing 
then probably much like the other players, you're going to realise that you're not going to win anything here and your aspirations are higher than that of the club. But I'd like to, I'd like to think we might strengthen we might be challenging next season for a pre-Europa League place with Dan Ings in the team and, and that, that would be something that would um, surely would push him. The other reason I think he'll probably stay is because he's guaranteed to be playing week in, week out. At the moment, he's playing in a team where he's scoring a lot of goals and he will definitely have you right 2021 in his sights. Do you want to make that kind of change where you might go to a club, not play as many games they may be not as catered to your way of playing and all of a sudden you only score eight, nine, ten goals in a season because at the moment I don't think Southgate can, uh, can ignore Danny Ings. Not one bit, and especially if he ends up with the golden boot, then it would be uh, a farce if he wasn't in that Euro 2020 squad. I, I agree with what you say. He could, he could be, like going, going abroad could be... Uh, could be one place that he uh, he might go. It'd be interesting to see if he went to somewhere like Dortmund and had Haaland and Sancho and even I think Jude Bellingham is going over there. They certainly like their uh, some English talent over there. So hopefully Danny Ings continues to bang in the goals to the end of the season. If I was to make a quick prediction, I reckon he'll end the season on I think twenty four goals. Actually no, that would be six more goals. Or is it? Yeah, six more goals in his last six games. We'll go. We'll go for. Do you think he? Do you, do you think he's going to beat that, that twenty-three goals that James Beattie got in uh, in a single Premier League season? No, two or three. That's that's got to be the next target after the twenty and the Golden Boot. I think he'll definitely run it close. I think if Saints had nicer fixtures, he'd probably do it. But they do have quite difficult ones. Uh, it, it remains to be seen. I, I, but I'm gonna. I, I'm actually gonna make a prediction. Yeah, I reckon he's gonna. I reckon he's gonna at least hit twenty-three. Don't know if he'll beat it. But... Sometimes when you're a player, when you're a striker in form, it doesn't matter who you're playing against, does it? No, not one bit. Yeah, that wraps up the episode for tonight. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll hopefully be back soon. Hopefully have a guest on for you, but we'll let you know in due course. You can find the podcast on Twitter at under underscore saints. So if you want to send any questions for the next podcast, just find us there. You can find me on Twitter at T214Murray. I've been practising this one. You can find me at Wilson 21 on Twitter. Yeah, I think that's right. Thank you very much for listening. Keep enjoying the football. We've got an absolute thriller to watch this evening of Crystal Palace against Burnley, so we can't get wait to get into that one. Until then, keep safe.